Mum As You Are is a place for self-compassionate reflection to use what you have within you right now as you are perfectly imperfect to find your way through motherhood. I'm Dr Erin Bauer, clinical and perinatal psychologist, author of More Than a Healthy Baby, course creator and mum of two. This is my second podcast, welcome if you've followed me over from my birth trauma work. This current podcast offering is bite-sized, unfancy and unplanned. A roadmap for finding your way back to self-compassion and how to replace numbing and escapism with true, meaningful fun. I talk about motherhood as an identity and an institution, perinatal mental health and patriarchy, parental burnout and numbing. The core message is to practice the question, I wonder. Instead of judging ourselves and engaging in comparisonitis, we simply ask ourselves, I wonder. I wonder. Welcome back. If you're new here, my name's Erin. I'm a clinical and perinatal psychologist. I'm a mum and I'm the author of two books, More Than a Healthy Baby, Finding Strength and Growth After Birth Trauma, and this new one, Social Media Detox for Mums. And today I want to talk a little bit about the concept of trying to get work done when your kids are around. So this is like very much at the moment. It is school holidays here in Australia. And as much as I would love to be the mum who says, yes, I'm here and I'm present for my children for six weeks, I have a business, I work for myself, things need to get done. So as we speak, I've sent my husband up to the park with my kids for a couple of hours to try and like batch some content, do some things. So this video, I want it to be kind of like, it's not going to be like a, how do you do full-time work with children around? That's like, not possible we'll get into that but more not ignoring the bigger picture either which is that for women to be able to do the things that they want to do in work they need governments to support us like with childcare. that's just the bigger umbrella picture there's no getting around that so this video isn't going to be about the kind of uh, captain obvious things that I suppose people say sometimes that I've actually found quite annoying <laughs> because they didn't really suit me things like I'll just get more childcare. that's not always possible or practical when you work as many of us do where you you're working to pay for the childcare, and at the end of the day it's like was it even worth it like I understand that and it's also not they're like just get up earlier that never worked for me I am a big proponent I suppose of thinking about where your postpartum, postnatal body is in the broader scheme of things. If you have kids who don't sleep, as I do, blessed with two darling children who hate sleep, it's not good advice, I don't think, for mums who are depleted, exhausted, have limited resources to be getting up earlier to do more stuff. I just don't believe that. If it suits you and your lifestyle and your energy and your kids and all of that, all the more power to you. It is an option for some people, but it's not an option for others. Definitely in those first, gosh, I even want to say like four years postpartum with my kids, it made more sense for my body to sleep when I wanted to sleep, particularly in winter when there's less vitamin D, you're very depleted. I'm not a fan of people 
getting up earlier or staying up later when they should be sleeping, right? It's boring advice. <laughs> it's true. And also not the like work when the baby sleeps. I know plenty of people who've managed that, who put their baby down for a nap, pat, pat, nut, nut, and they sleep for two hours and you can get some work done. That's never been my experience. So this video is more for people who are like, I'm just trying to like peacefully coexist, do peaceful parenting, but also um, have something outside of that, whether that is you want to do some writing, you want to do some painting, you want to do some other sort of something in your business. And how do you do that with kids around? So that's what I'm going to talk you through. And I think um, some of this advice, like you got to take it for whether it suits you or not. Don't take it as this is what you must do. This will work for everybody. Life doesn't work like that. In general, I'm not a big fan of giving advice anyway. It's just I'm going to drop some things and hopefully it will be useful for some people. So I think let's go to the list. I wanted to start with this like, statistic right that I talk about in social media detox for mums and it is and it's from an article that came out in the what was it the Washington Post and they talk about how during that big pointy bit in 2020 of COVID the average amount of uninterrupted time that parents got was something like three minutes and 24 seconds three minutes and 24 seconds before a child needed something from you as children do so you know that's a bigger reflection piece on the impossibility of trying to work during a pandemic we're all still trying to like navigate that but it brings it back to that like I'm talking about small little tiny changes that set rhythms not even routines not even habits necessarily but maybe more peaceful rhythms in your home for when you are a parent who needs to get a few things done and you got kids around you. That's kind of what I'm talking about. So if we go back to Michelle O'Dent, um, lovely, lovely man, big fan of him, he talks about this concept of like there is no such thing as a, as a baby, which always makes me laugh. But it's like there's always a baby and someone. And up until about roughly 18 months or so, a baby doesn't have a concept of itself as an individual person without its caregiver. You are a package deal. And so trying to think about this is why mothers get stuck as well in this concept of like identity and where do you fit in the fog of motherhood and all of that, all the things that I do talk about in social media detox. But for now, remembering that vital period. Now, that doesn't mean you can't work. It just means you're going to have to think like, it's a season and what season are you in? So most of this big book, More Than a Healthy Baby, I wrote with a baby in a carrier, like jiggling hair while I typed at the kitchen bench while my older child, who was two-ish, three-ish, watched a couple of episodes of Paw Patrol. Like, you know, I would love to say that there was some, you know, village that came and helped me out or some community or something, and we did use a little bit of childcare as well, but... Generally speaking, that's how that got done. And it got done because that book just had to come out of me. Like after having a second traumatic birth, I just had to write. It was therapeutic. But that's how I got it done. It wasn't like, um, you know, finding a big period of time in the day where I could sit down like I am now, sitting at a computer, lighting the candle, doing a bit of meditation and then like working for two hours. It didn't happen like that. It was, and I don't even want to call it multitasking. It's like creating a co 
working space. And part of that is starting with very, very, very small, tiny little things where if you have the luxury where your children are babies and they're small, that you start now building in like what is it that you value. And I think if you come back to that, the what do you value, that's always been helpful for me to return to like, okay, why am I doing this to myself and why is it important for me to teach my children that I need to work, right? So just beyond the, yep, financial, economic, all of that, it's I, it was important to me to show my children that I have things outside of them that need my attention. This, the thing I want to start off with, I guess, is if you've got babies or even if you don't, you can start this now, is creating what Magda Gerber called, uh, I don't think, I don't know if she exactly called it that, but it's been whittled down to this, this concept of a yes space. So a space somewhere in your home, doesn't have to be very big, where you could put a curious child, a curious baby, a curious toddler, and they could occupy themselves. They could safely navigate the space without being told no and without hurting themselves. That solves a couple of like really important things there. One is it starts to build in gently this idea that you are separate people. Like every baby needs to come to the realisation at some stage as part of development that you are separate, that you are no longer this person and this person joined together, but you are separate people and that you can create, it's all about um, attachment as well. So you're creating a secure attachment. You can leave. You're still in sight. Eventually you're out of sight and children who are past the really anxious um, kind of secure stage of that, like separation anxiety, who are past that, will cope because they know you're going to be okay, their parents going to come back. It's not just about getting work done here. This is also about, for children, the very important work of learning the importance of solitude and how important it is to have time on your own, to think your own thoughts, hear your own inner voice and decide what you think for yourself. This is how new brainwaves form. This is how learning happens. It's so important, not just for adults, but for children as well, to have that solitude, that time to just consolidate everything. Um, I made a note here as well that's also I've mentioned in this book because I found it such an interesting thing to think about. I was watching this interview um, on James Corden with Lord and she talked about one of the reasons she quit social media was she was having that feeling that I think we've all had sometimes where we we don't know what we think anymore. We approach something, whether it is a world event, a trend or something, and we have too much exposure to what other people are thinking and how other people are reacting before we've even had a chance to think, what do I think about this? What is my thought about this? Instead of like, what is everybody else doing? And I think that's potentially one of the biggest arguments when we think about also raising children who are tech savvy to actually know what they think themselves, to listen to their own inner voice before they are exposed to everybody else and what they think. So um, the other idea that I had about how do, you, how do you actually make this work, like working alongside your children, is creating like I suppose a value-based collaboration in your family. That's what it is. It's if you go back to what is it that you value and it's asking yourself, like, why am I doing this work? <laughs> and sometimes that can sound like, like when I've been writing a book where I'm doing a course or doing something, it's like, why am I doing this to myself? Oh, right, what's the bigger why? What's the purpose? If 
for me, it's a insatiable need. It's not even a desire. It's just a need. It's a like to communicate, to, I mean, you could water it down and say like to help people. I am a helper like through and through. That's like kind of what I'm put on the earth to do is to translate ideas and information and make them accessible and make people feel less alone. I think that's kind of what I'm here to do. So then that's what work in inverted commas is. So then thinking about creating language in your home that supports that value. So look, sometimes it's going to be mum's got to work because mum's got to pay the bills and that's fine. So there's ways to do that, I suppose, without some of that rhetoric that some of us grew up about with like work becomes this like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I will die. I think finding the value in why do you want to do what you're doing? And then the next step is translating that to our kids. So I learned over lockdowns, especially to be mindful that I could say like, I need you to entertain yourself because mum has to work. Mum has to answer some emails. Mum has to do whatever. But it got much more manageable and for longer periods of time of course as my children got older as well but using language that was more like mum wants to spend some time helping people because it's really important to mum that she helps people with their feelings right that's a very whittled down version of like what a psychologist does or what an author does potentially like mum wants to help people with their feelings those two books essentially what was the value? What was the purpose? It's because that's what I value and that's what I want to spend my time doing versus I have to do this for work. Kind of see the difference. So see if you can find just some slight subtle changes in language that as your children get older, like maybe two and up, younger than two, maybe even younger than three, depending on the child, it's hard to reason with them, so don't try and reason with them. But, I mean, if your children are two and up, maybe three and up, you can start to have conversations like you would with an adult, like just be honest and say, I want to do this because this is something that I value. Right? Okay. All right. It works better for my kids when I say, I really enjoy writing. I want to spend some time writing just the same way as you have your work. And children do have their work. Their work is play, that they're learning how to build an amazing fort or that they're doing some drawing or that they're figuring out whatever they're figuring out at the time. That is the work of children. So you can, with practice, it doesn't always come out perfectly, but with practice you can introduce the language that children kind of understand. They're like, oh, okay, yep, I can empathise, right, that you have something outside of me and our family that is important to you, right? It's a practice. You're not going to get it right all the time. But like I said, it's also reframing how you spend your time. Um, so if you're using, and this might be outside of work, but like trying to find time for yourself, if you're using things like guilty pleasure, um, putting yourself in time out, that kind of thing, think about what message that is sending, that being on your own is bad, that seeking solitude is bad. We know that we need solitude. Mums in particular guilt themselves for wanting to be alone all the time. There's a whole other chapter of the book about that too. But we need it. We need solitude to hear our own inner voice, to actually consolidate and learn new memories. And if we don't get time on our own, it's not just that like it's the guilt thing about being cranky about being around your children all the time. It's like you need time to hear yourself think and think about your own thoughts. So 
there is um, no parenting approach that I know of. There's no trauma approach that I know of that says to be a good mum, you have to be around your children 100% of the time and you must play with them 100% of the time. You don't need to play with your children 100% of the time. They need to figure things out on their own. They need to function as an individual on their own. And this is tiny, tiny, tiny steps every single day. It's not... We're not leaving looking for 20 minutes yet. You're going to build it up, build it up over time. And then it becomes kind of the rhythm of the household with practice. And you will still have times where it's difficult and you want to scream. And that's okay. Go back to practicing <laughs> the self-compassion and the kindness. It doesn't have to look perfect. Also, paying attention to children's rhythms. We all have natural rhythms throughout the day. Some of us are morning people, some of us are more later in the evening people. Watching the natural progression throughout day where you're like, okay, if you give your child two minutes of solid attention, like eye to eye, I'm really here with you, I'm really present, I'm really mindful of what I'm doing, that then maybe makes it easier to do the separation, right? Where maybe it's over lunch. You sit, you have lunch together, that can be with chaos too, but that's a good time to be present and try and be, you know, mindful of what you're doing. And then after that, it's like, okay, you can go look at a book. I'm going to go do this. And you can be in the same space, but you're setting, I don't even want to say the expectation, but you're setting the rhythm that this is quiet time. So that's when you can answer emails and do all that. Um, but when you like, I'll talk about this in a different video, but it's the, unstructured forever picking up and scrolling that really <laughs> ticks children off you'll notice it so it's a lot harder to get that time also when your kids don't know that you're working they don't know what you're doing they just see you picking up your phone they don't know what you're doing so I think trying to create rhythms and expect not expectations but like I mean expectations in the sense that children know what to expect next so when you create that like okay we have lunch I have your full attention, then after lunch, we have some quiet time. That kind of, that's what I mean by expectations. So I also talked about explaining your needs. Now, you can do that with children of a certain age. You can say, here are my buckets. I'm a big fan of using the kind of bucket analogy. I think they teach this at a lot of schools now, but we've all got buckets and we've all got different needs and they need to be topped up. One of them is your work bucket. How is that going to get topped up? We do it collaboratively, same as like kids have their need to play. They need time on their own. They need X, Y, Z. We talk about that. Um, but also thinking about that concept, I wanted to just add in, I suppose, a hit something to think about because it's caught me a few times. One is making sure that you are not using work as your reason to have time alone that's something that has caught me so many times where it's like instead of asking for what I need which is I need time away from my children to decompress it sometimes feels easier to ask oh I need to work right so making sure that you're not confusing your needs spending time working even if it gives you joy even if it gives you a sense of purpose even if it tops up your bucket it's not self-care and it's not a break from your children I don't care what anyone says. You need other time to do that. So working on the guilt around me time, just dropping it out there in case you need it, but also making sure that you're not using work to avoid pain. 
And I talk about this a lot in this book. None of us want to feel unpleasant feelings. We don't want to deal with our childhood wounds. We don't want to deal with our work stress. We don't want to deal with our relationship stuff. We don't deal with any of that. So we do work in order to not deal with that. So just be making sure that if you're creating this value, this time that like I have to do this for work, right? I always think of um, that episode. Of, I've talked about this in the blog, but there's an episode of The Simpsons. I know I'm going off on tangent, but I just, anyway, there's an episode of The Simpsons where um, Homer's in the bathroom feeding his belly a slice of pizza and Bart catches him and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I have to do this for work. And then he shuts the door, which I just think is such an interesting comment on like trauma and shame and how we say we have to do things for work in order to like legitimize like our needs. Anyway. So that's my very, very, very basic tips for co-working around children. It's not a replacement for childcare. It's not a replacement for our governments looking after mothers better or anything like that. But it is a little bit of how you maybe get stuff done when you're still with kids around in the holidays. So you can find out more about overstimulation and mothering and all those sorts of things in my new book, Social Media Detox for Mums, which comes out in February, on the 2nd of February. Talk to you next time.